Good morning, Madeira, Portugal, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Euro Nation. Jono is always onto a busy weekend of sport, and in the NRL, round 24 was headlined by the battle for the top four and top eight spots. The Knights defeated the Titans 15 to 14. Canberra defeated the Warriors 28 to 16. The Rabbitohs destroyed the Roosters 54 to 12. The game that was headlined by Rabbitohs star Latrell Mitchell being rubbed out of the finals due to his sickening shoulder hit on Joseph Manu um, as he accepted his six-week guilty verdict. So a massive loss for the Rabbitohs going into the finals. The Cowboys defeated the Dragons 38 to 26. The Sharks defeated the Broncos 24-16. The Eels upset the Storm 22-10. So that ended the uh, Storm's winning streak at 19 wins. Um, the Seagulls had a hard-fought win over the Bulldogs 36-18, to while the Panthers defeated the Tigers 30 points to 16. So Manly have now moved into the top four, uh, while the minor premiership comes down to the last round this weekend, as does the final spot in the eight which the Sharks occupy at the moment, Jono. So uh, an exciting last round in the NRL coming up uh, next weekend. Yeah, huge there. As we said, it's essentially now officially the battle for the top four in that that eighth spot as well. Um, and yeah, I think this is going to be huge as well for the Rabbitohs moving forward with Latrell Mitchell. That's a huge loss for them. Um, so it'll be interesting as well to see how far they can kind of go into this uh, playoff series as well without having their superstar man who's been who's been uh, critical their whole you know throughout the whole uh, round this year so it'll be really interesting to see but um comes down to the last round and uh, we'll just keep an eye on how things shake out afl and it was the first week of the finals port adelaide defeated geelong 86 to 43 gws upset sydney 74 to 73 in the first elimination final melbourne defeated brisbane 93 to 60 while the Western Bulldogs defeated Essendon 85 to 36. So that means both Sydney and Essendon were eliminated, while Port Adelaide and Melbourne both get the week off. Brisbane will face the Western Bulldogs, and Geelong will play GWS next weekend. So, Jono, some disappointment for the Swan supporters. They had their chances to win it, uh, but just not being able to kick straight really cost them <laughs> in the end. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we kind of touched on this last week as well. I didn't necessarily see that one coming. I thought Sydney would kind of go in a strong favorites. But as we said, sometimes they've had some inconsistencies throughout the year. It's like those inconsistencies kind of showed up there in this game when you when you didn't want them to. So unfortunately, we see them out. And um, good luck to GWS now going into the next round. Football over the weekend and probably the uh, headline of the weekend happened off the field with a certain transfer, which we'll discuss later on. Uh, but it was week three of the English Premier League. It was highlighted by title contenders Liverpool and Chelsea meeting at Anfield. Manchester City 5, Arsenal nil. What is going on at Arsenal? Again, we'll touch on that situation a little bit later on. Aston Villa 1, Brentford 1. Everton defeated Brighton 2-0 to uh, continue their strong start to the year. Newcastle and Southampton drew 2-2. Leicester defeated Norwich 2-1. West Ham and Crystal Palace played out a 2-2 draw, while Liverpool and Chelsea played out a 1-1 draw in the Really intense game in Anfield. Uh, again, we'll touch on that one a little bit later on. Burnley and Leeds drew 1-1. Tottenham defeated Watford 1-0, while Manchester United scraped past Wolverhampton 1-0. So that means Spurs are top of the league, undefeated. Uh, not many people would have picked that at the beginning <laughs> of the year. In the Spanish La Liga, Real Madrid defeated Real Betis 1-0. Elche and Sevilla drew 1-1. Barcelona scraped past Getafe 2-1, while Atletico Madrid and Villarreal played a 2-2 draw. If you haven't seen it, Villarreal were leading up to the 95th minute and then an errant back pass by their centre-back 
uh, headed it straight into his own net. So Atletico Madrid lucky Crazy. to get a point there. Italian Serie A. Inter Milan continued their good start to the year, defeating Verona 3-1. Lazio defeated Spezia 6-1. Empoli won Juventus nil. <laughs> Unbelievable result at, uh, at Juventus. Uh, Napoli defeated Genoa 2-1. AC Milan did, defeated Cagliari 4-1 with uh, Olivia Giroud scoring twice. While Roma continued their good start to the year, defeating Salentina 4-0. So another good win for Jose Mourinho's men. In the German Bundesliga, Borussia Dortmund defeated Hoffenheim 3-2. Bayern Munich smashed Hertha Berlin 5-0, while Wolfsburg defeated RB Leipzig 1-0. In the French Ligue 1, it was headlined by Lionel Messi, made his much-anticipated debut for Paris Saint-Germain, came on for the last 25 minutes for Neymar um, against Rams. PSG ran out 2-0 winners with Real Madrid target Kylian Mbappe scoring a double. Scottish Premiership, and it was the old firm derby. Rangers came out on top, defeating Celtic 1-0. So Ange Postacoglu uh, losing his first old firm derby. Uh, a solitary goal was scored by Rangers centre-back Philip Helander um, in what was an intense, as always, old firm game there. Um, also, obviously, as we discussed, the Champions League draw uh, was conducted end of last week, but we'll go into a little bit more detail later on with the Champions League. Paralympics, Jono. Um, and the current medal tally at the moment, China sitting on top on 48 gold, Great Britain sitting at 25, USA at third on 15, while Australia are sitting in eighth spot at the moment on eighth gold. Uh, what have been some of the highlights so far, Jono, from the uh, Paralympics? Yeah, I mean, um, as you said as well, the, the medal tally alone is just is just a highlight in itself. It's great to see so many countries up there and, and, and um, doing so well at the Paralympics. But essentially for me, I think one of the first kind of things that that struck my eyes and what's happening so far in the Paralympics is just the family dynamics that we have across so many sports. So that could be, you know, we have multiple sports and competing with, you know, ties, either brother and sister, 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 brother, brother, or even in some sports as well, you have, you know, sometimes the assistance to the athletes as well, or mothers, fathers, whatever it is. And I, and I absolutely love seeing that family dynamic in play during, during this, because, you know, sometimes it, it's essentially, it's sometimes a, a rare occasion to see, you know, families kind of competing in the same events or even as well, you see, uh, you know, we'd love to see this in any sport that history is well going and passing that on from, you know, from, from father to son to mother to daughter, whatever it is, that history going in through the family. So I think that's been, for me, one of the big highlights to kind of see is just that overall um, families kind of getting involved as well and being represented across multiple sports. Um, I would say as, as well, another one, I guess a big, a big headline would be the Australian wheelchair rugby team essentially missing out on the medals since the first time since 2004. I mean, you know, the, the history that they've had in that respective sport and to see them essentially go without a medal, you know, the props to the other teams as well, kind of stepping up um, as well. And then the biggest thing for me is just the amount of records broken. And when I say records, it could either be world records or Paralympic records. So essentially that have happened at the Paralympics or in general as the world events. Um, just in day two alone, there was about nine records in total that were that were broken. And I think that's incredible feat. And what that kind of shows is just the increase in quality of these athletes that are coming in. And what that also shows is that these nations are, are 
are backing these athletes that much more that we're able to elevate the standard, able to elevate the, the facilities, able to elevate the equipment and everything that goes into these athletes preparation. I think it's really showing here in this Paralympics because, you know, world records are sitting there for a reason. They're, they're not always broken and to have so many broken day in day out is just incredible in my eyes. And it's just showing that standard is just keep on raising. And that's, what's making this Paralympics that much greater is I feel like, but there's an overall quality and it's just risen that much in this year's Paralympics for me. So it's been a great sight to see. For me also, John, the wheelchair rugby has been a highlight. And for me, seeing Team GB win their first ever gold yeah. after defending the USA 54-49 was quite a, a feat for Team GB. So congratulations to them. Uh, the Australian wheelchair basketball team, uh, the Rollers, um, have been playing some really good basketball. Obviously suffered their first defeat um, against uh, the Paralympic gold medalist or defending Paralympic gold medalist, the USA, with one more group game to go against Great Britain. So they're looking well positioned uh, to get through to the medal rounds there. Well, also on the track, seeing Australian Madison De, De Rosario win gold in the women's 800 yeah. metres T53 category. Um, it was an amazing uh, feat by her um, and great to see um, so many great individual um, moments in the Paralympics. And as, as you said before, John, I think just some of the amazing stories that these athletes have, hearing those individual stories really just adds a whole other layer uh, to the Paralympics. And it truly is um, a really special um, event and world event. And I think the support is just growing, which is great yeah, to definitely. see uh, for these Paralympics and the, for the Paralympic team. So um, still another week to go. That'll finish on September 5th, the Paralympics. In the cricket, uh, England have leveled their test series against India after winning the third test by an innings and 76 runs. Both teams will now head to the Oval for the fourth test. Super Netball, and it was a Super Netball grand final over the weekend. The Sydney Swiss won a thrilling game over the GWS Giants, 63-59. to 59. So congratulations to the Sydney Swiss girls. Formula One and the Belgian Grand Prix ended in fast after rain forced the Grand Prix to be cancelled after just two laps. Race results were decided off qualifying positions with half points given. I mean, Max Verstappen was awarded the win, followed by George Russell, Lewis Hamilton. Australian Daniel Ricciardo finished in fourth. Lewis Hamilton remains top of the Drivers' Championship, followed closely by Max Verstappen. A little bit of boxing news. And Jake Paul, the YouTube star, <laughs> defeated Tyrone Woodley in a split decision in their much-anticipated bout. So uh be to see what Jake Paul's next move in the ring will be. Well, as we mentioned earlier, Jono, uh, it was week three of the Premier League, as always. What were your three key takeaways uh, from this weekend's uh, week of action? Yeah, so my, my first... My first takeaway essentially is, and I'm sure you can agree with this as well, is just the sheer fact that I think Chelsea is is solidifying themselves slowly as a as a real title contender there. Um, I think if you look at this game, yes, there was the controversial red card that sent Reese James out, but the way that they were first off playing up until that point, I think was was fantastic. And then the way that they were able to hold themselves um, against a very, very good Liverpool team. Uh, with only 10 men, I think that showed a lot of determination and a lot of composure and a lot of great structure at times as well throughout the field to be able to do that. Um, as we've said as well. Not to I, mention at a packed Anfield too, oh, Donna. 
Exactly. And, you know, you think about all the comments that we've been saying about Liverpool leading up to this as well. Yes, we're very early on the season, but they've been lights out up front as well. So to be able to do this and essentially only hold them to a penalty as well, I think that's very commendable as well for for if you're a Chelsea fan. Um, And to walk away, as you said, it's not easy to win there. Um, And so to walk away with a point, I think is is job well done. But I think it just solidifies again that this Chelsea team is going to be a hard team to beat. You know, if they can do this with 10 men and hold off these wins, that's what you need. It's not always about playing the prettiest. It's sometimes about grinding out the results. And I think they they did just that. Yes, you didn't get the, the three points, but you still walk away with the point, which was huge in my eyes. Then also, I would say, um, you know, it's the Wolves. They, they just, they need to just figure out how to score goals. They, they look deadly on the counter but then when as soon as they get in front of that goal it's it's like they don't know what they're doing at times um i think that they're just struggling right now it might be maybe some confidence issues i'm not exactly sure but you know if you look at the build-up and how they're able to and particularly counter a lot of times they're so fast at countering they get so many bodies moving forward as well they have options but it's just about that simple finishing um, you know, it's, it's, it's those simple things as well that are going to win and, and lose games. And unfortunately for them right now, they're losing the games because of that. You know, if they can just turn it the other way and finish some of these chances, they'd be out doing some of these teams because, you know, they, if you just look at it, you know, from, from a, a viewing point of without taking into consideration the goals that were actually scored, they looked like a very deadly team out there altogether as a unit. So for them not to put away the goals is unfortunate because they do all the hard work, but as soon as they get there, simple tap-ins. They're just not finishing. So for me, that's a big thing is that the Wolves are not going to be an easy team to beat, especially if they can start scoring in front of net. Um, I think it's going to be just elevate them to potentially, you know, hopefully they can rise up that table. I think they're definitely one of those hard mid-level table kind of teams. Uh, potentially, you know, if they can get their act together, possibly in those Europa spots there. But um, but yeah, they look really good in that buildup, but just unfortunately not able to finish up top. Yeah, then, key for them, I think, is uh, hopefully getting Raul Jimenez back in some scoring form. Obviously, coming back from that uh, severe head injury last year, yeah, um, he just looks a little bit um, or not as confident at the moment in terms of some of his movement. But if they can get him back in some scoring form, obviously, that will add a lot um, to that Wolves team. Yeah, definitely. And then lastly, he was just looking at more of essentially at bottom of the table is Norwich just... I know they've been, you know, playing against some top opponents, but it's just looking like that they're really struggling to just keep, in my eyes, just composure sometimes when they're on ball, composure defensively as well. I don't think that they necessarily have the attacking power to be able to go out and just outscore teams. As great as Pookie is, as great as the American sergeant might be for them, I don't think that they're competing against, you know, the other the other great attacking um, duos or, or trios out there in the Premier League. So they have to really solidify themselves and just make sure that they hold shape and just hold together and be composed when they're on ball as well, especially coming out of the back. Um, like I said, yes, they've played against some really tough opponents. If not, you know, playing against Leicester, playing against Man City, playing against Liverpool, you're playing against, you know, the top of the Premier League there. So it's hard also because we know that Norwich going into this wasn't going to be necessarily a top four contender or anything, but you still have to be able to put up a fight against these teams as well because, you know, you, you sneak in a winner here or a draw even against these teams and then you lock it up against some of those lower teams, that's how you become successful and, and avoid relegation. But at this point in time, you know, sometimes it just looks like they're all over the place. Sometimes it looks like they just, just lose that confidence. Um, so I think just in it, this is just in reference of now 
the last couple weeks is how they're playing. And again, I just don't think that they have the ability up top to just outscore players. So they really need to start working as a unit, start being a bit more composed and condensed defensively as well to avoid all these teams from scoring on them at will at times. So it'd be really interesting to all keep right. an eye on them. I agree, John. I think Norwich uh, defense uh, defensively obviously need to get a solidify a little bit more if they're going to have any hope of surviving yeah. um, in the Premier League this year. Uh, for me, I agree with you, John. Chelsea were so impressive against Liverpool. It was a great game too. You could really uh, feel both teams, obviously potential title contenders this year. Um, and I think after the game, I think Chelsea just solidified the position as as a team to bet. And in many people's eyes, the favourites, um, yeah. even ahead of Manchester City, I thought losing Kante in the midfield um, was a massive blow at half time, And for them to be able to come with 10 men, obviously after that, Reese James send-off. Um, I thought Rudiger and uh, Christensen were immense um, at that centre-back partnership and obviously having the experience of Thiago Silva to bring on as well. Um, I thought Lukaku it gave him an outlet as well. Um, obviously, some of his physical strength to obviously be able to hold the ball up as well when they needed to, um, when they needed to obviously relieve pressure. Um, Liverpool obviously tried, but um, I thought Chelsea in the end did it relatively easy. Um, yeah. Obviously, Mendy pulled off some good saves in that second half, but um, but Liverpool will be disappointed. They'll see that as an opportunity missed. That was obviously Definitely. an opportunity to get three points against one of their main rivals. Um, but as I said, I thought a draw in the end was a fair result between Chelsea and, and Liverpool. And I thought Chelsea will take a lot out of that performance. Um, and it really shows the grit and determination that Tuchel's instilled in that team. So uh, very impressive. What do we say about this club, though? <laughs> Arsenal. They are a shambles at the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't think many of us expected them to beat City or even get a point at City. Um, but the way they were beaten, 5-0, City coasted through. That Xhaka sending off was a disgrace. Yep. Um, why Xhaka went in for that challenge in the first half is beyond me. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't, um, That doesn't make your team, you know, work harder or doesn't it's not inspirational that sort of play um and i'd be surprised if arteta didn't rip him to shreds um in the dressing room but that center back partnership of of chambers um at the back just isn't good enough yep. um at this level um and they're just not good enough john i think that is what's starting to be shown clear here is that arsenal squad is just lacking quality they are still missing players i think obviously ben white coming back in um, will obviously help. Um, but throughout the team, the spine is just not strong enough. Um, obviously, you had new signing Odegaard starting on the weekend. He's a neat player, he's a nice player, um, but it's not what Arsenal need. They need, well, they need quality. Um, but they've spent a bit of money this summer um, and it doesn't seem to have made this uh, the team any stronger. Um, and Arteta's under huge pressure. Huge yeah. pressure. They're, they're bottom of the table. They haven't scored a goal in three games. Yes, they've had a tough start to the year. Uh, but this is Arsenal Football Club we're talking about. We're not talking about a small club. This is a club that um, has had sustained success um, under Wenger. Yes, they didn't always win the Premier League, but they were always a constant top four team. This year, mate, I reckon they'd be struggling to make the Europa League, to be yes. honest with you. They're looking like a mid-table squad. I think clubs like Leicester City... Um, Yes, Tottenham have had some issues in the offseason, but they've kept Kane. Clubs like that are looking a lot stronger and in a lot better yep. position than Arsenal right now. Um, and I just don't know where they're going to turn to, Jono. 
Yeah, it's 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 uh it's just unfortunate what we're seeing at Arsenal. It just seems like there, as you said as well, there there's nothing inspiring those players right now. It seems like as well, there you can you just look at them and they just seem as if they're all over the place. There's there's no want to get out there and play. Yes, okay, you know what? You go down to ten men, but as we saw with Chelsea, you go down to ten men and you just rally from that. Sometimes that should be almost a motivating factor as well. We didn't expect them to win against City. But we did not certainly expect to see what happened as well. Just ripped apart in all levels. Like I said, it's as if those players are just kind of going up out there, just trying to cash a paycheck at this point. In my eyes, there's no there's no want to be out there half the time. It seems like you know it's 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 late to challenges. It's it's the lack of the the emphasis in passes. It's just the lack of those uh, you know advancing runs. It's all around the field. The lack of organization. You know, technically, you look at the quality of players that they have, and technically, they should be, they should be sitting at least at mid table right now. But as as a group, as a collective, they, they they just aren't able to produce. And like I said, they just there's no inspiration. Nobody's stepping up to take leadership as well. It seems like, and you know, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes there because it just seems like Arteta as well. Just you know. You need to you need to step in right now and really inspire players and make sure they understand what they're playing for and who they are playing for as well. Because this, as you said, this is this is Arsenal. This is not necessarily a small club that has finally worked their way up to the Premier League or something like that. This is a club that has such a rich history. And to see them perform at this level is just it's just sad to see this at this point in time. I think one of the key words you touched on then, John, was leadership. Where is the leadership on yeah. the field coming from? You look at that team. So the centre-back pairing, Rob Holding, Chambers. In the midfield, you've got Jaco and Odegaard and Aubameyang up front. Some of these senior players have to lead. You yeah. can't be relying on these young players like Bukaya Saka. Yes, a very talented individual, but he's not. He's 19, 20. You need some of these senior players who are on massive wages. Yeah, They need yeah. to be leading teams and, and showing some grit. If they had lost to Manchester City, it wasn't so much them losing. Um, not many people expected them to win. I don't think you'd be talking to many Arsenal fans expecting them to go to the Etihad and, and getting a result. But it's it's the level of performance and, yep. and it's the determination and willingness to fight for that Arsenal jersey, which doesn't seem to be there. Yep. Um, I mean, luckily, probably for them, they've got an international break now to think about. Arteta's going to have to go out to the drawing board. They do have a few easier, supposedly easier fixtures <laughs> after the international break. Uh, but they have a massive game coming up against Spurs in a few weeks. That could be a real deciding factor yeah. in terms of where this Arsenal team is going and the future of Arteta. Um, it could be, it's going to be a massive few weeks after the international break because Arsenal, um, they need to turn it around somehow, not just with the results, but with the performance yeah, um, of those players. So I'm interested to see what happens. Another team under pressure, Jono, at the bottom end of the wrong end of the table is Newcastle United under Steve Bruce. We say it year in, year out, but under the obviously the ownership of Mike Ashley, Newcastle are not spending money. There's no strengthening to that squad. You got a one city team of fifty thousand people who turn up to that stadium week in, week out, and it looks like it's going to be another long year for Newcastle. John, I think even more disappointingly for them during the week that they were knocked out of the League Cup against Burnley, thirty thousand fans turned up midweek at a League yeah. Cup game against Burnley. They knocked out. On a penalty shootout, John, I know we say it year in year out. Newcastle, a massive club. There's so much potential there, um, but it just seems like that club um, is not willing to move forward. And right now, under the leadership and ownership of Mike Ashley, there doesn't seem to be any 
there doesn't seem to be any light for those fans that deserve so much better. Yeah, and again, we're talking about maybe not so much in, in recent times, let's say, of the, the history of winning and everything, but a club with, with such rich history of winning. And, and yet it doesn't seem like anything's getting better. And again, to start the season the way that they, that they are, once again, is just a terrible sight to see because, you know, these are games as well where you have to win these games because they're, they're not the hardest ones in your schedule too. Um, and yeah, I think it's just the overall, it's, uh, you know, you feel for this fan base because some of the supporters from Newcastle are the most loyal supporters you ever see as well. And, and, and to have the struggles that they're having year in, year out and no, no change, no direction. It just seems like it's a never ending circle of the same thing year in and year out. It's just unfortunate. And look, it's going to be another year. I feel like as well that, you know, we'll have the conversation. Oh, are they in relegation zone? Are they avoiding it? It's going to come down to the last couple of weeks. Do they come up with a miracle win at the end of the season to push them out of the relegation zone? Okay, then we have that conversation. What are they going to do next year to make sure they improve on that? It's like they never want to make those improvements to make sure that they're not down at the bottom year in and year out. But um, yeah, really unfortunate to see because again, it, it, it's sad when you have these cup, these these clubs that have such a rich footballing history struggle at the way that they are. In a sense, a lot of it is just having to deal with the behind the scenes that personnel as well and those directions and things like that as well. That's not always what's happening on the field, but it's what's happening off the field as well. That's causing a lot of these issues and could be the case as well for Newcastle again this year. It's unfortunate to see. Well, again, Newcastle uh, will be a massive uh, few weeks once, once they come back from the international break, because results really need to start turning around. Here he comes. Well, John, I think there was only one storyline that dominated world sport over the weekend. So we thought the transfer window may be settling down. Um, obviously, the moves of Messi, Ramos, Baran, Sancho. We've had some big ones, Lukaku to Chelsea. And then a certain Cristiano Ronaldo decided to uh, get in on the action. I think last week we all thought he was heading to the blue half of Manchester. Manchester yep. City looked like the destination after he announced he was leaving Juventus. Woke up Saturday morning, and all of a sudden he was a he was a red devil again. The headlines: Ronaldo was returning home to Manchester United after 12 years away from the club. Jono, firstly, before we get into the move a little in a little bit more detail, what were your initial reactions when you saw the headline that Ronaldo? returning not only to the Premier League, but to Manchester United. Yeah, I, th- I think that how this whole saga just unfolded was absolutely crazy. And they, I mean, we even had some sad conversations as well, talking about, oh, how is he going to fit at Man City? Thinking that that's pretty much a done deal. As you said, going to sleep, thinking, okay, he's going to be announced as Man City player tomorrow. And then all of a sudden waking up and seeing the return of Ronaldo to United is just, crazy there's there's no other words for it it's just crazy it's as if yeah it's almost as if he needed to be like nah Messi had some big news well let's make sure that I can top this big news and just create a huge saga about it as well so happy for United fans but absolutely crazy the way that it all went down of course I'm be sad to see him leave Juventus but you know what it's uh it's just another um, another opportunity there for Ronaldo to just prove why he's still one of the greatest player of all time so it'll be interesting to see 
in terms of that impact, Jono, what sort of impact do you think Ronaldo will have, I guess, both on the Premier League, but also on this Manchester United squad specifically? There still are holes in this Manchester United squad. I think they were again highlighted um, overnight against Wolves. Yep. But what sort of impact do you think Ronaldo will have, not just on the field, but off the field, especially with some of those younger players, talking Greenwood, uh, Rashford, Martial, um, some of those young players coming through. What sort of impact do you think um, he will have in the dressing room? Yeah, well, I think first off, the impact that he's going to have even for the club in general is going to be huge. You have all these, essentially that this this is, you know, you know, fans know that this isn't the long-term um, essential goal, you know, to, to sign someone at this age that we know that, you know, there's, there's, there's a clock still with, with someone like Ronaldo, but the fans just must be ecstatic with this signing. This is exactly what they want with the history that he's had with the club. Um, so again, I think fans are going to be very happy. And then when you go into the impact that he's going to have in particular to the locker room, I think is, is going to be a really strong impact because what he demands is he, he demands the highest level performance every single game, every single training. So for these young players, I think it's just going to show the level of professional that you want to be. You know, it's, it, it gives them the, the visual to see, hey, I want to be like that guy. I'm a young player. I'm aspiring to be the best. I want to be like him. I want to train like him. I want that same attitude. And it's just that role model in the locker room to so many of these young talents. And I think it's going to be really good for United because what he's also become is, look, what he does it for Portugal. He becomes a leader. You know, he, he becomes... He, he's able to, to take that responsibility on his back and he wants to lead that squad. So he's going to become that leader. And so, yes, even if he's not playing every single game, he's still going to be leading that team from the sideline. He's still going to be encouraging those young players. He's still going to be showing them and mentoring them how to do things correctly. So I think for, for United as a whole, you know, you just got ex- exactly what you wanted in terms of a mentor to some of these really young uh, rising stars. So I think it's going to be great to great to see hopefully the impact that he has in particular, you know, with the Greenwoods and, and even Rashford's and these young talents are still quite young in their career and the impacts that he potentially could have. So I think the locker room presence is going to be huge from, from Ronaldo in terms of what, what he can bring to everybody. And I guess Ronaldo's age has been talked about. He's 36 now. So you're not getting uh, the player that was United 12 years ago. It's not the same uh, flashy winger, uh, running down the side. He's now a central striker who makes intelligent movements and he still obviously can score goals, yeah. which obviously was shown in, in Italy last year where he was the Italian uh, golden boot winner last year. Uh, scored more than even Lukaku last year. Yeah. So it shows yeah. the quality that he can bring. And what I think, like you touched on there, John, I think his presence in the dressing room will demand excellence from everyone in that squad. It will demand the best out of that squad as has been reiterated by ex-teammates such as Gary Neville, Owen Hargreaves, who played with Ronaldo. Ronaldo's coming to United not as a swan song. He's coming there to win not only personal accolades, but team titles. Yeah. He doesn't just He's not just coming to Manchester United just to see out the last couple of years of his professional career in Europe and then move off into the, into the sunlight. So I think Ronaldo will demand excellence and he'll demand the very best from his teammates, which I think can only be a good thing for that United team, which at times has struggled um, under expectation. And let me tell you, the expectation is only going to rise, not only on that team, but on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now, because the will and the demand to win titles, well, yeah. now there is no excuse. The only concern I do have, though, is 
the Ronaldo signing, magnificent. I think it's, I mean, everyone's excited. Everyone's talking about it. It's going to be great to see him back in the Premier League. I still think United have massive holes in that central midfield area, which was, again, highlighted by today. Fred and McTominay are not good enough for the Manchester United standard of a central defensive midfield. Fred was bullied today by that Wolverhampton yeah. team. Um, and Pogba needs a play. If you're going to play him in that central midfield position, he needs a player who's going to be strong, disciplined, um, and a good pass of the ball next to him. He can't have someone like a Fred next to him. I think that's a very fragile area of Manchester United. I don't think the Ronaldo signing necessarily turns him into title contenders straight away. I still think City, Chelsea, even Liverpool, I still think they set the standard. It may bring them a little bit closer, and I guess there's going to be games where United's or Ronaldo's goals are going to prove crucial. Uh, But what do you think, Jono, in terms of United's title credentials? Do you think it takes them any closer uh, to, say, City and Chelsea, who who seem to be the two talked about at the moment who could uh, potentially fight it out? Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at overall squad and balance of squad, you know, City and Chelsea still still are, are the two best squads in the Premier League. As you said, this doesn't it's it's not like his signing then you know hides the fact that there are a lot of holes in in this Manchester United team still. And I mean, even you have the issues of inconsistencies even at, at goalkeeper position as well. You know, as as great as De Gea has been performing, still some inconsistencies. He there did as pull well. a couple of great saves he, today. If he you've did seen them. a couple he, of unbelievable saves. But then, um, yeah, overall, I mean, look, there's still some work needed for this squad. But what he does is, as you said, he just he just brings that extra little bit of level and that extra bit of motivation as well, hopefully for a lot of these players. I'm hoping as well that by him coming, it just makes it the, it makes these players just that much more motivated to perform as well. Um, so are they going to be title contenders? I mean, maybe. I don't think that necessarily makes them a, a shoe into it to definitely win it. I think they'll definitely be up there. And the greatest thing is when you have someone like Ronaldo, you know, especially when these big games are coming. So let's say when they're playing against Chelsea, when they're playing against Man City, any of these top uh, contenders, you know, first off, he's going to be in the lineup in those games in particular. And you know, he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that they win. So if anything, you have that guy now that you can say, hey, we have two more minutes left in this game. Who do we want to give the ball? And you know, you want to give the ball to Ronaldo. So if anything, it gives him that little bit of an extra edge there to have that extra bit of edge there in those late minute, last minute situations in those big games, because you know, he does come up historically for that. So look, does it instantly make him a title contender? Probably not. But what it does do is it, it gives them somebody who has the ability to score goals when you need goals. And let's just put it that way is that he has that ability over all the players that they have in terms of that striker role. And I think as well, the best thing is that, you know, he's coming in as a number nine, you know, he's coming in as that target guy. And so now and he knows that as well. He knows how he fits in the system. So it's no more. He's going to maybe be switched out, out wide some games or he's going to, you know, he's going to be in that central spot. No, he's he's staying in that central spot and he's going to he's been brought in for a reason. It's just to make those intelligence runs, as you said, score some goals and just come up in those big games and motivate this team and be a teacher to this team. So we'll see how it, it turns out. I mean, you know, as you said, he he doesn't come to these teams just to kind of end his career or anything like that. He still sees an opportunity to win. So he sees something in this squad. So hopefully he can really inspire them to, to make a big run for the Premier League as well as possibly Champions League as well, because you know he's all about winning as many as many trophies as he possibly can. Touching on the Champions League, John, obviously we had the, the group stage draw last week. Do you think Ronaldo's signing changes the way United are going to be now viewed in Europe? Looking at United's group, 
Atalanta, Villarreal, and Young Boys. You'd expect them to get through that group. A couple of tricky ties. Obviously, they lost to Villarreal in the Europa League final last year. Atalanta have shown uh, that they're not an easy team uh, to beat. Uh, how do you see United now positioned in Europe? Obviously, you'd expect them to get through this group, but I'd say now with the signing of Nahal, at least a quarterfinals position uh, would be probably the least of the expectations. Yeah, I mean, you have pretty much Mr. Champions League himself, so you, you'd say that you definitely need to get out of the group even before signing Ronaldo. Um, and, you know, for me as well, I, I would say that United should almost, even before the signing of Ronaldo, they should be a quarterfinal team. They, they You know, they're... They have the quality of players in certain positions. As you said, there's still gaps there. But, you know, in particular in Champions League, anything can happen at times as well. Um, you don't know who you're matching up. You're not always matching up against Premier League teams, and that's the beauty of it as well. You might, your style of play might be better suited against certain teams. So for me, I think that they should be quarterfinal regardless. Um, but yeah, this, this solidifies them. Anything less than a quarterfinal is disappointing. Anything more than that, a semi, yes, you've done your job. You get to finals, that's great. If you win it, that's just exceeded all expectations. But um, in particular for their group, they should have won it beforehand. So hopefully this should be an easy group for them. But yes, Atalanta is definitely going to be, and Villarreal in particular, definitely going to be hard opponents to get through. So I wouldn't uh, underestimate them at all. Looking at some of the other groups too, Jono, of course, Manchester City (laughs) and PSG, Paris Saint-Germain had to be drawn in the same group. So they're in group A along with RB Leipzig, and Club Bruges. Um, it's going to be some titanic clashes between PSG and Manchester City in that group. Oh, that's going to be huge. And it's also going to be an interesting take in terms of what squads are we going to see? Are we going to see full strength squads going against each other? Are we going to see, you know, a bit of rotation there? Are we, you know, because, you know, you're playing these teams multiple times. So are we going to see, when are we going to see that head to head full strength squad? Are we going to see a bit of a rotation of players? Um but that that is just that that huge that that group is huge and and to have uh, Leipzig as well in there, it's not going to be an easy group by any means. I mean, you do technically have the two favorites there, Man City and PSG, but the other teams in there as well are going to be able to give them a run for their money. So that group is is huge. Another group which looks so it could be a little bit tricky is Group B. So you have Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, Porto, and AC Milan returning to the Champions League for the first time in a while. Um, Jono, obviously Liverpool and Atletico Madrid, the two favourites to come out of this group. But uh, we need to see how AC Milan perform as well. Yeah, I mean, I think this group is very interesting because, yes, you kind of do have those favourites there, but it's the type of group that you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, okay, you know, I, AC Milan gets through. Oh, yeah, that's that's a bit of an upset there. But, you know, I could see they're playing well right now. So it's it's one of those groups that you could technically make a case for any of them to go through. Um but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be some cracking matches because that just means that every single game matters that much more as well. You can't stumble against any of these teams, and as we saw as well, Porto never underestimate Porto because it because they can come out of nowhere and make sure they put it on you um, and just hold in defensively. So um, Liverpool and Atletico probably the hot favorites there. But again, as well, you know we've seen a lot of Liverpool success and a lot of Liverpool failure in the Champions League at times. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, what we kind of get from that group. And as I said, every game's every game is going to be a battle. So that's a group definitely to watch any game that's uh, that appears. Well, the last time Atletico and Liverpool clashed, it was in the Champions League, and Atletico famously knocked him out at Anfield. 
that was probably the last game with crowds before we went yeah, to a, yeah. a lockdown, worldwide lockdown with COVID. So um, some history there between those two teams. Um, in another one, Group D, we'll see Real Madrid and Inter uh, battle out against. But we'll also see first-time Sheriff uh, come into, Sheriff Football Club come into the uh, Champions League. So great to see some debutants as well. Group E, Bayern and Barcelona. Man, Barcelona yep. have been in the uh, news. <laughs> so they'll be clashing in Group E. Dinamo Kiev and Benfica will join them as well. But interesting to see how Barcelona go, John, especially um, the performances of Griezmann. Memphis Defy started the season off quite yep. well. Um, and also Philip, Philippe Coutinho. We seem to forget that he's still there. Well, yeah. then he's going to come back into that squad um, as well with Barcelona. Yeah, and even, I mean, Coutinho again going up against Byron, who is loaned out and had a bit of success as well. But um, yeah, Byron's going to be a hard team to beat. But uh, Barcelona, a little bit of finding a little bit of form um, this post Messi era. So we'll see if they can kind of continue that into the Champions League as well. The last uh, group we'll focus on too is Group H, Jono. So we see Chelsea, Juventus, Zenit, and Malmo. Um, obviously, Juventus now. Cristiano Ronaldo less, um, <laughs> while Chelsea are looking to defend their uh, European title, which no one really expected uh, last year. Yeah, it's it's going to be um, that's that's a bit of an interesting group as well, um, because again, you know, you look at Chelsea, and yes, they have so much depth of squad, but you know that they want the Premier League as well, um, and also to be able to go far in Champions League. So again, it's going to be about that rotation of squad, as with a lot of teams as well. Um, and then Juventus, I mean, yeah, we're having their struggles right now. So we'll, we'll see what, uh, what type of performances they can pull out in, uh, in the Champions League. But again, yeah, going without Ronaldo, he came up with some big goals throughout the last couple of years in the Champions League campaign. So essentially for me, it's going to come down to who can actually pull out those goals to make sure we can get on the scoring sheet. Um, is Chiesa going to be the man going forward for Juventus? And only, only essentially time will tell. Uh, but it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on that group as well. I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. Well, Jono, I don't think any of us expected the transfer window, um, what it has delivered this summer. It's nearly finished. We've got a day or so. If Kylian Mbappe moves to Real Madrid, I'll just I'll give it in because that would be <laughs> unbelievable. That would just top it all off. But we'll see if that happens um, in the last bits of the transfer window. Um but we can't wait for the Champions League to start. There's some really tasty games there. Obviously, so much movement within the transfer window. So, obviously, seeing so many top players at new clubs, which would be so interesting uh, to see. And, obviously, now we, I guess, wait for anticipation for that Cristiano Ronaldo Manchester United debut. Um, obviously, coming back to the club. So, possibly September 11th against Newcastle United at Old Trafford uh, could potentially be his his return game for United um, after the international break, uh, but we'll wait with bated breath. But um, obviously, United fans and football fans obviously can't wait uh, to see that. But um, well, as always, John, we'll end with our five quick questions you're asking me this week. Ready yes. to go? Yeah, you ready? So, uh, go, mate. question number one. So, we saw the first week of the AFL finals. As of right now, based on the performances, who are you tipping to win the whole thing? Just based on these last performances. Melbourne. I think Melbourne yeah. were the most impressive. They really uh, they were impressive against Brisbane. So I Melbourne are my favourites at the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that as well. The, the performance was was a strong performance. Um, 
And unfortunately, your uh, Sydney uh, got knocked out quite early there, so I can't go with them. <laughs> in the nice. NRL, so switching to the NRL now, we come into the last week of play. So we have the Raiders essentially needing a win to have any hopes of going top eight, as well as the Roosters needing a win to have any hopes of going top four. They are playing against each other. So who do you got in that? Who wants it more essentially in this? Are we tipping the Raiders or the Roosters? I think the Raiders will make the eight. So I think the Sharks will lose. I think the Raiders oh, will make the eight. I think the Roosters will lose just because of their injury crisis. The Roosters have got so many yeah. injuries. Um, so I'm tipping the Raiders to win and also snatch that eight spot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be something to watch because, like I said, you have both teams playing for something right there. Um, as we said, the transfer news has just been crazy in football. So who is going to be the next big transfer before the window shuts? Is it going to happen? Who would you tip? Or who is going to be the next transfer to happen before the window shuts? If it was a big one like we've seen, it'd be, have to be the Kylian Mbappe one. But I have a feeling he's going to stay at Paris um, for this year. I think, he'll go to, I think he'll go to Madrid next year on a free. Mm. Um, I think from... Mine, I think most of the big moves might be done, but the Kylian Mbappe one would be the one if there was anything last minute. It looks like most of the big clubs have done their business now. Yeah, I saw possibly as well. If Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, maybe a little loan out for Hazard to Juventus. You never know. We'll keep it, keep it in the cards. And there's as talk well. with Charleston to PSG if uh, if Mbappe does. So obviously there is a few domino effects. Yeah, um, for, if, one trans- if that transfer does go <laughs> off, yeah, definitely. All right, so we saw the two big stars. Um, in terms of scoring power from Syria, moved to the Prem in Lukaku and Ronaldo. So who's going to end up with more goals at the end of the season, Lukaku or Ronaldo? I think Lukaku. I don't think Ronaldo's going to play every game. I know he's obviously going to demand a start, uh, but I think Lukaku will win it because I still think Chelsea um, are going to finish higher than Manchester United at this stage. Yeah, as much as I want Ronaldo to have as much success as possible, I agree. I don't think he's going to be starting every single game. And Lukaku is going to be a critical person to to what Chelsea does. So I do see Lukaku just in having sheer more opportunities, essentially. Um, last question here. So Serena Williams is actually officially pulled out of the U.S. Open, saying that she's going to spend more time in terms of uh, healing her body and recovering from her hamstring injury. Do you think that this is possibly the last time that we've seen Serena grace one of the Grand Slam tournaments? We've seen a lot of injuries happening from her. So that, could this be last time? I hope not. Obviously, it'd be great to see Serena uh, compete at a few more Grand Slams if her body allows it. But I guess she is at an age where um, injuries are uh, a reality. Um, but we'll see how she she pulls through this latest injury setback and hopefully she'll be ready for the um, Australian Open in, in January. Um, because it'd obviously be great to see her still competing if she wants it enough and if she feels her body can hold up. Um, I think she deserves to go out, obviously, playing rather than obviously retiring through uh, through injuries. Yeah, we're seeing. Unfortunately, we're seeing this as well with the, with kind of the the top of the tennis world and and even on the men's side as well. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic as well. Injuries are are a reality and they and they creep into careers. And as you said, we we hope for these athletes who've had such a great career to kind of end on top not necessarily end on injuries. So it'll be interesting to, to see with Serena, as we said, injuries have been a problem as of recent, but it'll be interesting to see if she can hopefully finish her career with one more Grand Slam win as well. It'd be amazing to see. So something to keep an yeah, eye out for. Yeah, the US Open. Yeah, the US Open begins this week. So the final Grand Slam of the year. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. 
as always thank you for your support and good night <laughs>